Well, we begin a new series this morning called Living a Rich Life. According to Jesus, a rich life is, is not measured by how much money you have or how big your house is or how new your car is or by the number of toys you have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus was, was really very clear when he said in the Gospel of Matthew, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then Jesus also said this, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So in this three-week series, we're going to be covering three important aspects of a rich life. We're going to talk about being generous, giving back to God's work. We're going to talk about being content with what we have. And then we're also going to talk about being uniquely gifted in who we are and how we can use who we are to serve God and to serve others And our hope is that everyone who calls Orchard Hill their church home will be moving toward a rich life in ways that Jesus described. So this morning we're going to think about being uniquely gifted by God and how we can use who we are to honor and to serve God in this world. And I want to start by looking at one of the the biggest questions all of us have had probably to wrestle with from time to time. The question um, is a tough one, but I think it's an important one. And it, it has to do with the very meaning of, of life. Who am I? Why do I exist? Why am I here? Does my life have really any meaning or, or significant or purpose? Have you ever had a sense that something was missing in your life? Do you know what I mean? It seems like a lot of us wonder if if there's something more. Am I missing out on something? Have you ever felt that way? I think a lot of us do. No matter what we've accomplished... We can't escape this nagging feeling that something is just not the way it should be. Life is not quite as as rich as it should be. Maybe we feel a sense of disappointment in who we are or, or what we've done in our lives. Do you remember the old Popeye cartoons? What was it that Popeye used to say? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. (laughs) Is that what life is all about? What you see is what you get. This is all there is, nothing more. Is that true? I've wondered that sometimes. I've always been kind of a, a kind of a dreamer. I've imagined the possibility of of experiencing wonderful things and being involved in something great. I've imagined a life filled with with good things and great people. 
A life filled with purpose and significance. And, and then those dreams don't come true. And I catch myself wondering, is this as good as it gets? Is this all there is to life? Is this all the closer I'll ever get to those dreams? Could it be that it's just all downhill from here? We aren't who we want to be. We're caught between disappointments, confusion, and hope. Disappointment in who we are, confusion about what is significant in our lives, and hopeful that this isn't all that there is. So let me ask another question. Since we're talking about our uniqueness and purpose, what is it that gives your life meaning right now? Do you ever watch the game show Wheel of Fortune? Come on, I know you do. There's something I've noticed about the show. The host, Pat Sajak, he, he always asks the contestants to introduce themselves. Usually the men will say something about what they do. Hello, Pat. I'm a playground engineer from a large company in Fresno. Usually the, the women will say something about their families. Hi, Pat. I'm married to Bob. I have three beautiful children. Curly, Larry, and Mo. <laughs> so how would you introduce yourself? What gives your life meaning right now? Maybe it is what you do. Your work. Maybe it's your family. Your marriage. Your children. Other relationships. Maybe you belong to something. An organization. A cause. Something that matters a lot to you. Maybe it's... Success or, or accomplishments. Maybe meaning comes from what you have, what you possess. What gives your life meaning or purpose? As I've spent time looking back over the story of my life, I've, I've noticed a pattern. Since an early age, I've, I've been looking or searching for something that would give my life meaning and significance. And many times I thought I found it, but then... Nearly every time I was proved wrong. As a boy, growing up in a hard-working, church-going, small-town, Dutch, two-parent family, I thought it was all about being good, doing the right thing. That's, that's what life was all about. And the problem with that is that it left no room for failure. I made mistakes, and I still do. So the search continued. I grew to be a people pleaser. Parents, family, friends, teachers, coaches. But no matter how hard I tried, I could never make everyone happy. Someone was always disappointed with me, including myself. But I still thought the secret to life was about relationships. So, so I poured myself into friends. I discovered again and again that everyone is imperfect, just like me. People, even close friends, let me down. They still do. So that wasn't the secret. So I went back to being good, but I fo focused mostly on doing a good job. Hard work had to count for something. And I majored in the three A's. Accomplishments, achievement, and affirmation. I worked hard for good grades and um, good jobs and, and good performance reviews. But you know what? You can never do enough. 
There's always more to do. So that was a dead end. Well, maybe life was about enjoyment, happiness, and feeling good. I can tell you that was an especially dangerous pursuit. I found that feelings never last. That pursuit was an empty one. But what about, what about knowledge? Me, maybe meaning can come from, from knowing. And the more I know, the better I'll be, the better I'll feel, and the more I'll be respected. I'll have the answers. But I discovered that the more I learned, the less I really knew. You know, even religion, in a way, became an empty pursuit for me. The rituals and the words that I thought held power to fill up my life turned out to be simply rituals and words. So none of these things satisfied the hunger inside of me. I was always left wanting. There had to be more. Something was missing. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament is the book of Ecclesiastes. Some, some people think the book is a bit depressing. I think it's just very, very honest. It's helped me to understand that this search I was on for so much of my life was pointless, meaningless, the author calls it. He says that we will never find complete enjoyment, meaning, and fulfillment here on earth. And he shows how empty it is to pursue the pleasures that this life has to offer. To try to find meaning and pleasure or wealth or success is ultimately disappointing. Nothing in this world will fill the emptiness and satisfy the deep longings in our restless hearts. It's not enough. In chapter 2, he writes, When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. But there is good news. This isn't all that there is. If, if chasing after all of this is meaningless, then what's the secret? At the end of Ecclesiastes, it says this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. I believe that God created us with a hunger and a longing for more. I believe that God created us with a desire to know Him. To try and satisfy that hunger with, with something temporary or imperfect just won't cut it. It will just leave us longing for more. The cure for emptiness is knowing God. Only in knowing Him and discovering His love through Jesus can the emptiness of the human condition be filled. Jesus tells a couple of short stories that have helped me think about this. In Matthew 13, Jesus says this, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Or, God's kingdom 
is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. I think that both of these stories are about a search for meaning. I can even picture this this man climbing a fence, cutting across a field, maybe so he can get home a little earlier. Maybe he's been working late and he's tired and, and he's hungry. Suddenly, his toe catches on something in the dirt and he stumbles. And he looks down to see something is out of place. He kneels down and he begins to dig. It's a treasure. He's ecstatic, the story says. This is it. But he doesn't just pick it up and steal it. No, instead he buries it and then he goes home and he begins to figure out how much it's going to cost him to buy the field so that he can possess that treasure that he found in it. It'll cost him everything. So he sells everything so that he can have what it is that he wants more than anything. And then the second story is of a merchant who knows what he's looking for. This pearl of great value. One that is flawless. He spends his life searching for it. He knows it's there somewhere. He keeps looking. He chases down leads, investigates rumors until one day he's rewarded. There it is, just as he imagined it and even more. Suddenly, every other pearl or jewel he's possessed is worthless compared to this one. And it takes everything that he has, but he buys that pearl. Both men, when they, when they found the one thing that would fill up their lives, were willing to give up everything to possess it. We are one of these men. Deep inside us is a hunger for something more. It's not a mistake that we want our lives to have meaning. God has put that longing in our hearts. Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity in our hearts. And we cannot fathom it. We're all looking for something of deep significance to which we could give our hearts. I find a lot of comfort that in both of these stories, these men found it. In one case, it happens by accident. He literally stumbles over it and there it is. In the other case, it comes after a long, careful search. And maybe you're like the stumbler. One day you just trip over the truth that Jesus loves you and nothing in the world can satisfy the hunger of your soul more than that truth. Or or maybe you're the searcher. You know the truth is out there. You just haven't looked in the right place yet. And then one day after searching so carefully, you find it. There is a God in heaven. And he sent his son Jesus to live and to die for you. And I guess I believe that it's not so important how you discover the truth. The important thing is what you do with it once you find it. In both stories, whether the discovery was made accidentally or intentionally, the men responded the same way. They did whatever it took to possess it. They were willing to give up everything so that they could obtain it. Do you remember the movie City Slickers? Oh, it dates me a little bit. Um, there's a, uh, but also dates a bunch of you too, so don't laugh too much. There's a scene in it where Curly, the old cowboy, is talking to this confused middle-aged man played by Billy Crystal who's been searching for the meaning of life 
and and it's taken to him him to this this dude ranch. And Curly asked Billy if he knows what the secret of life is. And Billy said, no, what? And Curly raises up one finger and he says, this. And Billy says, what, your finger? And Curly patiently responds and he says, no, it's one thing. Billy, he's kind of interested now in what Curly has to say. And he says, well, what is it? What's, what's the one thing? And Curly replies, that's what you have to discover. So what's the one thing? In his stories, Jesus calls the one thing the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. In John 10.10, Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation calls it abundant life. It's a rich life. Jesus says the one thing that is the secret of a rich life is living in his kingdom. It's living with him. It's knowing him. That, he says, is the best way to live. It's life filled with meaning and purpose. And Jesus came to give us that kind of life. Now, what does that kind of life look like? I believe a rich life says, I'm significant. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that I'm a masterpiece. I'm special. I'm not a mistake. I believe a rich life says that I'm loved. I was created on purpose. I'm a part of God's family. I belong to Him. I'm not alone. I believe a rich life says that I am uniquely gifted. I have something to do. I'm not insignificant. I'm not worthless. I'm here for a reason. Now, there's one more important thing that I want to say. Our purpose in life is to know God and to live for Him. And in order to do that, we also must know ourselves. God has made each of us with with unique abilities and talents and gifts. And living a rich life means discovering and using the gifts that God has blessed us with. We live this way out of thanksgiving for what God has given us. And these gifts, they're not for us. But they are given to us for the purpose of honoring God and blessing the lives of others. Too often we live in ignorance of how special God has made us. The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, warns his readers. He says, don't be ignorant of the gifts that God has blessed you with. I've heard too many people use the excuse that they just aren't that special or that God hasn't blessed them with any gifts or abilities. And that is just not true. The promise is just the opposite. If you are a follower of Jesus... You are uniquely gifted. You are uniquely equipped to serve God. You are a bright light and you are meant to shine. It is God who has begun this work in you. Make no mistake, we we have nothing to prove to God. He loves us because He chose first to love us. Not because of what we have done, but we do have something to do. We have a life to live, a rich life, a unique life. 
And we live it out of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. So how does this happen? It happens by knowing ourselves. One of the biggest and hardest parts of spiritual growth is self-discovery. It's paying attention to your life. Who are you uniquely? What story do you have to tell? What, what role does God have for you to play in his kingdom? In our uh, Emerging Journey class last week, the manual referred to um, Ephesians 2 when it said this. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. God doesn't expect us to invent ourselves. Instead, the Spirit's desire and intent is that we would discover what God is up to in our lives. And we discover this by looking at our lives and seeing where God is showing up. We look at what brings our lives joy and fulfillment. We listen to what others say about us and the affirmation that they give us about the good that they see in our lives. We take advantage of opportunities to learn about ourselves. Things like the, the spiritual gift discovery classes here at Orchard or, or the emerging journey classes that we offer every year. Actually, if you want to really understand what our church is about, you must do this because we are a gift-based church. And that means that we believe that each of us has an important part to play. And when that happens, we benefit and God's kingdom grows. So if you're a teacher, the Bible says, then teach. If you're a helper, then help. If you're an encourager, then encourage. If you are a leader, then lead. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, the Apostle Paul says. But you must do it. And if you aren't sure what it is, then find out. You will not find true lasting meaning in what you know, how much you have, how you feel, what you accomplish, or in who you hang out with. True satisfaction comes from knowing who you are and whose you are. We are ever living, never dying souls loved by God. We are children of the King. The hope of the gospel is much more than just getting into heaven when we die. Jesus came to earth so we could have a rich life here and now. This is the life we long for. This is the meaning we are searching for. And it's within our grasp. So, what about you? Are you living a rich life? Or is there something missing? Are you looking for something more? We want to encourage you to investigate the truths of Jesus. We want to encourage you to pay attention to your life and discover the good gifts that God has blessed you with and to use those gifts to honor God and to bless others. So come back next week and we'll talk more about living a rich life. Let's pray together. God, thank you for how you have created each and every one of us uniquely, intentionally. You've equipped us with what we need, what your church needs, what the world needs, so that your kingdom can grow. Help us not to be ignorant. Help us to search, to pay attention to our lives and what's going on around us. And I know... I believe that we will all be rewarded 
and that your kingdom will grow. And now as we move into communion, help us remember what it is that you have done for us. Amen.